0: Well, good morning and welcome back. So today we are <clears> chapter fourteen. I think we we stopped at just the right place last week, right at the end of you know, right at a chapter break. And today we're gonna see they're gonna continue this, this first missionary journey. And that's what we're we're right in the middle of this now. We're in the we're in the thick of it. Paul's first missionary journey. And, um, he was sent out by the church in Antioch, him and Barnabas. And so we pick up the action here at Iconium. They had just left, uh, Antioch and Pisidia, right around here. Uh, they, uh, but well, let's just start at 50 and we'll get a little run on three, chapter three, verse 50, and we'll read through this first section, which is Uh, 1 through 6 no 1 through 7 is the first little break here when they're at Iconium so before we start reading okay we're going to see this is I, I call this lesson the progress of the gospel or the effect of the gospel we're going to see the effect of the gospel at these different cities they go to the book calls it sticking to the task regardless which I I'm not crazy about that title. I'm, I'm thinking like more like sticking to the mission, you know, completing the mission no matter what, uh, wading through the muck and the mire, uh, dancing out where the bullets fly. You know, it's, just, it's kind of a feel of what's going on here. But that's from a song, by the way. <laughs> it's a great song too by Evans Blue. But uh, So we're going to see yeah, the effect of the gospel. So what it does is the gospel divides. We all know that. The gospel divides. And we're going to see it divide some cities here. As the gospel is proclaimed in these cities, some will believe, some will not. And then, of course, the unbelieving Jews are always the to who stir up trouble. Remember we talked about that, this pattern we see. They enter a city, they go to the synagogue. They proclaim the gospel. Some Jews believe. A lot of Gentiles believe. Then the unbelieving Jews stir up trouble. That's kind of the, the main, you know, we'll see that over and over. So we're going to see that here. We're going to see how the gospel divides. <clears throat> before we start, let me just read this, this cool story. i never heard this story before. This is Archie and Hughes kind of sitting up this chapter of his commentary. It's a story about a World War II veteran doing what needed to be done no matter what which is kind of, you know, this is analogous to Paul and Barnabas here. But I've never heard of this guy. Uh, it's, fast, it's, a, it's just a crazy story. Let me read it real quick. So one night in 1945, Captain Terry Simmerel brought his crippled B-29 bomber in for a safe landing amidst waiting fire engines and red flares, unloaded the plane, and entered the group headquarters tent. His face was white. He seemed to be in a state of shock, and it was several minutes before he could talk. An incredible feat had been accomplished as Captain Simrel piloted his Pathfinder plane toward the enemy coast in order to drop phosphorus smoke to mark the mission's target. On B-29s, it was the radio operator's job to release the bomb through a narrow tube. On this particular night, Sergeant Henry Irwin received a routine order, triggered the flare, and dropped it down the tube. If there was a malfunction, then the bomb exploded and bounced back into Irwin's face, blinding both eyes and searing off one of his ears. Burning white phosphorus melts metal like butter, <clears throat> and the bomb was now at Sergeant Irwin's feet and eating rapidly through the deck of the plane toward a full load of incendiaries. He was alone because the navigator had gone to the transparent dome on the top of the plane to make some celestial computations. Not having the luxury or time to analyze his situation, Irwin picked up the white-hot bomb in his bare hands and stumbled forward toward the cockpit, groping along with elbows and feet. The navigator's folding table was down and latched, blocking the way. Sergeant Irwin hugged the blazing bomb under one arm as it burned the flesh over his ribs, Unfastened the latch, and lifted the table. He stumbled on a walking torch. His clothing and hair were ablaze. Dense smoke filled the plane, and Simmerl, the pilot, had opened the window beside him to clear the air. I could not see Irwin, says Simmerl, <laughs> but I heard his voice right at my elbow. He said, Pardon me, sir, and reached across to the window and tossed the bomb out. Then he collapsed on the flight deck. Amazingly, Sergeant Irwin survived. He went on to regain the use of his hands and partial vision in one eye. Sergeant Henry Irwin is one of our country's Congressional Medal of Honor winners, receiving it from General Curtis LeMay while still in a Pacific hospital. And that's cited, too. That's true. So, there you go. I thought that was pretty amazing. But he did what needed to be done. And I, what I told her was, you see what happens when you don't panic? You might survive. If you panic, all is lost. Because she, she panics. You know, she's, she's, tend, she's prone to panic when stuff happens. But anyway. So we'll start off here. And... Um, Okay, before we do, let me just read y'all this little info dump on Iconium so we know where we are. Iconium was an ancient city that claimed to be older than Damascus. This is going to be right here. I think this is, maybe this is Iconium. It's up there in Galatia. Iconium was an ancient city that claimed to be older than Damascus. In the dim past, it had a king named Nanicus. And the phrase, since the days of Nanicus was proverbial for from the beginning of time. There were no large Roman garrisons in Iconium, so it remained more Greek in attitude and was somewhat resistant to Roman authority. They were governed by an assembly of citizens called the demos, which held itself aloof from the Roman representative. So that's that's where we're going to be here first. Uh, Mostly Greek, not very controlled by Rome, kind of out of the way. They have a town council. It kind of governs this city. And so let's start at 3, verse 50. And we'll just kind of take a running start at this. This is when they're still in Antioch, Pisidia. But the Jews inside of the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And they left behind disciples that were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So, verse uh, chapter 14. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both Jews and of Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Notice that word, brethren. We've seen... Christians or believers referred to by several different names, Um, mostly disciples. We've seen, you know, the disciples, disciples. Now we're starting to see them called brethren more. So they stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they spent a long time there, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. And it's just, I really noticed there that when they were speaking boldly, that sentence, therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. It was, he was testifying to the word of his grace. That's the Lord, right? Making the testimony. That's the way that sentence is structured. This is not Paul and Barnabas testifying. It's Jesus testifying to the word of his grace through the signs and wonders he was performing through Paul and Barnabas. <coughs> because upon first reading of that, <coughs> excuse me, I read that as Paul and Barnabas were testifying to the word of his grace. But that's actually the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace. And it's the Lord that's granting that signs and wonders be done by the hands of the apostles or the brethren, whatever you call them. Verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. There you go. The gospel divides. The city is divided. And some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Now, notice that apostle. That's small A, not, not big A. that's uh, the sent out ones messengers. So that's not let's not confuse that and think we're calling Barnabas an apostle of Christ He's not okay We you know sure Paul is for sure at the end of the days his name's going to be on one of those statues in the New temple. <laughs> it won't be the but Barnabas' won't be. so Barnabas is not an apostle. Big A apostle. He's a small A apostle. That's, you notice that's a small A there. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra and Derby, and the surrounding region. And there they continue to preach the gospel. That Laconia is not a city; that's an area. That's the way that sentence is wrote is kind of confusing to me. It sounds like there's three cities. They became aware of it, and fled to the cities of Laconia, Lystra, and Derby. Laconia is the area. Lystra and Derby are the two cities. Laconia is a region, kind of a hill region. We're gonna read. We'll read about it in a minute, but. Lister and Derby are the two cities they go to in the region of Laconia. Okay. Now, in verse 5, it says, an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them. Let's make no mistake right here. They're not saying we're going to resist these guys. We're not, we don't want to resist their teaching. We don't want to counter their, they want to kill them. Okay. Stoning is the next method of execution Mm -hmm. in this time period. That's all it's used for. It's not a punishment, it's a it's a method of execution. They're saying, We want to kill these men. What they're saying is so offensive, we're going to kill them. Start them to death. Okay? It's just, so this us just make sure we understand that. This is not a little thing. They want to physically put these people up to death. Okay? Uh, oh, I didn't tell you all this. The colony is about 80 miles southeast of city of Antioch going we'll to be right around. If this is Antioch, we're looking right around down here somewhere. Uh, let's see. Here's MacArthur's note on Iconium. A cultural melting pot of native Phrygians, Greeks, Jews, and Roman colonists. Located 80 miles southeast of Pisidian Antioch. And he also has a note on that small a apostles up there. It says, uh, Barnabas was not an apostle. In the same sense as Paul and the Twelve, since he was not an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ, nor had he been called by him. It is best to translate apostles here as messengers. The verb means to send. The Twelve and Paul were apostles of Christ, while Barnabas and others were messengers of the churches. So there's a distinction there. Two types of apostles. Now, these... uh, This Laconia, so again, MacArthur's note on that region. Laconia was a district in the Roman province of Galatia. All this is happening in Galatia, okay? All these cities, this whole missionary journey is to Galatia. This is where he's establishing the church in Galatia. That's what's happening. Laconia was a district in the Roman province of Galatia. Lystra was about 18 miles from Iconium, it was the home of Lois, Eunice, and Young Timothy, we'll see that later in Acts when he calls Timothy to travel with him on his, I think, his second journey. Timothy, is, Timothy goes with him. He, he finds Timothy here in in, I, in Iconium. The uh, so word I live off. Okay, Lystra was about eighteen miles from Iconium. It was the home of Lois, Eunice, and Timothy. Uh, Luke mentions no synagogue in connection with Lystra. We'll see that too. All, this, all the action in Lystra happens at the city gate, not at the synagogue. And since Paul began his ministry there by preaching to a crowd, it likely had a small Jewish population. And then Derby was about 40 miles southeast of Lystra. So he's tra- they're traveling east. They start in Antioch, they go to Iconium, then to Lystra, then to Derby, way over here. Okay, so everybody clear on where we are, what's happening? Um, they wanted to stone these men and in Iconium, so they decided it was time to go. <clears throat> Y'all excuse me, I cannot stop <clears throat> clearing my throat. Okay, so our Hughes says this before we move on to the next section. Their enemies finally divided the demos of the town council and decided to do what they never would have attempted if the Roman rule had been strong. They wanted to stone God's mercenaries. Paul and Barnabas were brave, but not foolish. They were born again, but not born yesterday. The Lord protects his children, but he wants us to use common sense, so the missionaries departed. All right, so the next one, 8 through 10, we're going to see God's power displayed. Okay. God's power displayed. Let's read that. Verse 8 through 10. At Lystra, the man was sitting who had no strength at his feet, laying from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke. Who... When he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, "Stand upright on your feet." And he leapt up and began to walk. <clears throat> so, interesting thing here is this event very closely parallels the leper in chapter three when Peter's entering the temple of the leper. Beggar sitting at the beautiful gate. This man, most likely a beggar as well, sitting at the gate of the city, most likely, because that's where, you know, there was a synagogue, the the city gate, you know, and that culture was where all the men of importance came together to discuss matters of politics and whatever. You know, that's where all, that was like the meeting, meeting hall. That's where everybody came to talk talk stuff out, at the city gate. And so this man is sitting at the city gate. He's laying from birth, just like the man in chapter 3. And if you remember right, remember it says when Peter saw him, he fixed his gaze on him. Remember that? Paul does the same thing here. He fixes his gaze on this man. And uh, he just tells him, get up. So here's my note on this about Paul. Paul and Peter fixing their gaze on these men, these beggars, these lame men who people walk by all the time and pay them pay them no mind. He said, we, and today, we need to be very careful not to overlook people because of their station or their appearance. It's real easy to overlook somebody that's sitting outside a store asking for Change for gas, I mean, <clears throat> these people may. We just. We got to be careful. We don't. We don't overlook people because of their appearance. Okay. Yep, one day we may realize we overlooked an angel or the one that's reaching out. So, you know, that's all. That's all I'm gonna say about it. That's what came to my mind when I read about that. How easy it is for me to overlook somebody just because of the way they look. That's not how I should be. So that note was for myself. Um, now that note fits the song. That pretty much fits the song. Yeah. All right. So now we're at <coughs> Lystra. Uh, I got a little info dump on Lystra. See here. Lystra. Uh, though little is known of the origin of Lystra, we do know it was a frontier outpost. We also know it's in the region of Laconia. Caesar Augustus made it a Roman colony in 6 BC. So this thing's only been, you know, where where are we we in now? Like 45? Remember our timeline? We're around 45 AD now, so so around in there. So this thing's only really been under Roman control for 50 years. So that's why it's kind of, you know, they don't have a lot of authority here yet. It was just a Roman colony. Uh, He established it as the easternmost of the fortified cities of Galatia. So it is a fortified city. It has a wall and a gate. I imagine it had a sort of, this is this guy talking. I, this is not me, this is him. I imagine it had a sort of Old West flavor and ethos. Okay, most of the people were uneducated Lyconians who had their own language. That was like a regional dialect they spoke. They they spoke Greek as well. Okay, because it was mostly Greek culture, but they all had a regional dialect they spoke. Uh, the people were half barbarous. Uh, The Romans ruled the land. The Greeks controlled the commerce, and the Jews had little influence. In fact, there was no synagogue there. So there's two commentators I trust saying. No synagogue in Lystra, which is obvious because none of this is happening at the synagogue. It's all happened at the gate. <clears throat> and so the minister got off to a flying start at Lystra with the healing of a cripple. Let me read that again. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could, who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up again walking. Now here's his explanation of that. As Paul preached, he observed a lame man whose interest and willing gaze indicated a work of grace within. And he says, those who preach understand what Paul experienced. Dr. Barnhouse put it this way. There have been numerous times in my own ministry when While I was speaking for the pulpit, I have seen a response in some particular face in the audience, and I knew that the Holy Spirit had begun a work of grace in that person. Frequently, after the meeting was over, that person would come to to me and tell me, at that precise moment, he knew, he just knew that Christ had died and risen again for him, and he was truly born again. Okay. So, we talked about the parallel between the two healings. All right, let's go on. Did he talk about the differences? No, I didn't. No, I mean, I know you did, but did the book you- Uh Actually, the book didn't. Did he mention the. That was from somebody else. That was not from this guy, from this book. That was from Dr. Dykes. He talked about the parallels between those two. Apostles' healing of this leper, leper. It's just, it's just, they're just very similar, you know, and how they happened and who they happened to, and that's all. We won't attach too much significance to it, but yeah, there it is. Ah, uh, so where are we at now? Verse, we went all the way to through 10. He said in a loud voice telling you, okay, so we're at verse 11. 11 through 13, we're going to see God's power misunderstood, okay? We see God's power displayed. These people are going to utterly miss the point here. So when the crowd saw what Paul had done, healing the lame man who had never walked a day in his life, they raised their voice saying, okay, in the Lyconian language, so this is Paul and Barbas can't understand what they're saying here. They done got all up. Flustered, and got excited. They switched from Greek to their regional language here. Uh, They raised their voice and saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. They began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Now that's crazy. That might be a significant difference. So, what, do we, what, what can we You know, infer from this? There's a temple of Zeus right outside of the city gate. So, these people are definitely uh, worshipping pagan Greek gods. They believe these are Zeus and Hermes in the flesh. And, boy, they just, they just missed it, didn't they? they? These are, what did they, what did they say? The see, They said, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. Well, if they just left the S off there, made that G capital, and said the God, they could have, Paul and could said, yes, and his name is Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem. He was crucified in Jerusalem, but they just didn't get it. They put gods there. They put the plural on it. The gods that become like men and have come down to us, they're so so crazy freaked out that that could happen, but it just happened. God took on flesh and became a person through the birth, through the virgin birth. But they don't have time for all that. So they're calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. That's because Hermes is considered... In Greek mythology, he's the messenger of the gods, right? He's the, uh, he would be equal to Mercury in Roman. You know, he's got the wings on his helmet. Uh, he's considered the messenger. He can go freely between all the planes of existence he, as he wills to, to bring the messages back and forth between all the different planes. And I mean, he's also, he's, he's the god of several things, but he's a god of messengers and thieves and I forget what all else but, but he's considered the messenger of the gods and that's why they believe Paul is Hermes reincarnated because he's the one doing all the talking and they think uh, Barnabas is Zeus I guess because he's just standing in the back and he's like you know I'm the, I'm the king you know Zeus is the he's the god of the He's the ruler of Olympus and he's the main father of the gods and all this and So there you go. And then so the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, he brought an ox and the guards to the gates to sacrifice. So why is this happening? Okay, this is uh, This is kind of crazy. Well, there's a good explanation for it. So a Roman Poet named Ovid wrote this story, and it goes like about how Zeus and Hermes had came down to this area. Well, let me just read this. out of This is from Ovid. It's where this story comes from. There was just one complication. These half-wild Laconians had an ancient legend that Zeus and Hermes had once come to the hill country, disguised as mortals, seeking. Lodging. Now, I don't know if this legend is because Ovid wrote the story or if Ovid was just recording the legend. Okay, I don't know which came first. But they had this legend in this area that Hermes, Zeus, and Hermes had once come to the hill country disguised as mortals seeking lodging. Though they asked a thousand homes, no one would take them in. Finally, at a humble cottage of straw and reeds, a poor elderly couple. Philemon and Bacchus freely welcomed them and feasted them with what what meager means they had. In appreciation, the gods transformed the cottage into a temple, making the couple priest and priestess. And when they died, they were immortalized as a great oak and a great linden tree. The inhospitable homes, however, were destroyed. These poor Lyconians were determined not to make the same mistake again. So there you go. That's why they're acting this way. They have this old legend. Um, another commentator, he said it was through flooding that, after the gods, after Zeus and Hermes, whatever, had stopped at these people's homes and they fed them with their meager, and after they left, they sent this great flood. And what do you know? All the people who rejected their, their ask for hospitality, all their homes were destroyed. Yet this one home became this great temple with colonnades and all this. And these, they were made in, you know, so that's how the, the legend goes. And that's why they're acting this way because they're saying, well, we don't want to be destroyed. So we're going to make sure we offer regarding Odyssey. So they misunderstood it. And uh, that's going to... we got a good application for this for our time here in a minute. We're going to get to. <clears throat> and it's coming up next. So, verse 14 through 18, we see God's power explained. 14 through 18. But when the apostles, small a, again... When the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it. Oh, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. And we preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. And here they come. They're going to give them the argument from creation now about how Yahweh, because he's going to contrast Yahweh with Zeus. Because in their worldview, whatever, Zeus is the bringer of um, increase. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Prosperity. Prosperity. He brings the good harvest. He brings um, all the good things, right? And they believe all this is coming from all these different. But Paul's going to say, no, no, you got it wrong. There's only one God. He's the God of Israel, and he created, and he does all these things, okay? So here we go. He's going to give them the argument from creation. We are also men of the same nature as you, and preach the gospel to you, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, and here he says, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Boy, that comes up a lot. Have you all ever noticed that? I see that all the time. Now, just like when the when the church was praying, I think it was when when Peter and John had been arrested, and the Sanhedrin forbid them from preaching in Jesus' name. And when they released them, they went back to their companions, and they had remember that was this recorded prayer. It was like the very first recorded prayer in Acts. They all spoke with one accord, saying. Sovereign Lord, what was the word? O Sovereign Lord, you who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. That's how they started this prayer. And uh, here he uses it right here. You should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet, he did not leave himself without witness. And what is this witness? In that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. tell them, uh, Zeus didn't do this. Yahweh did this. Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to him. So that's just, that's, that's, uh, this, I wish I could see this scene played out you know they bring out this big ox with the gardens on its horns and they just you know tear in their robes run out stop stop what are you doing this is crazy and they barely kept him from cutting his cow's throat and offered it to him as a sacrifice <clears throat> so so what he's doing here is he's saying not Zeus Yahweh. All these things you enjoy, these fruitful seasons, the rains, the food you enjoy, that's all from the hand of Yahweh. Um, This is one of his witnesses. You know, you have the witness of creation. You have the witness of revelation. So they never even got to the gospel with these people yet. Because as soon as they healed the man, oh, you're gods in the flesh. We're going to offer you some sacrifice. I wonder if they've ever even heard of the living God. Probably not. Do like, I don't know. A there's no synagogue here. So they're kind of limited in their understanding, most likely. I mean, there's... What is, did I say if there was any Jews here? Let me read a thing about... In 19, it says the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, so probably not very Or if you said very, they were buried. Well, that's what he says. <laughs> It says, the people were half barbarous, the Romans ruled the land, the Greeks controlled the commerce, and the Jews had little influence. In fact, there was no synagogue there. So, you know, maybe some of them had heard of the one true God of Israel. Can't say, really. Um, but whatever, if they had, they completely missed the mark here. They are completely off track. And so, <clears throat> let me read you this. It's a little long. It's good. And it's, a, it's, an ab, it's an admonition to the world first, and then to us as a church. Um, so the Lystraans' displaced praise kept Paul and Barnabas from presenting the full truth. These people wanted to know this new God only on their own terms. Paul and Barnabas never got to explain the incarnation, because the people were determined to keep them within the boundaries of their religious presuppositions. Today, too, Christ is often made such a captive of men's presuppositions. What they think he ought to be, or what they want him to be. Not the root of true Christ. Uh, Okay. Today, too, Christ is often made such a captive of men's presuppositions that they do not really understand him. Lloyd Ogilvie has put it this way. This is from Lloyd Ogilvie. When Jesus was born, there was no room at the inn. But today, we not only have room at our inn, but we have a penthouse suite away from reality. Jesus is a VIP to be honored, but not believed or followed. In America, he is a custom, but not the true Christ. A captured hero of a casual civil religion, but not Lord of our lives. That's from Lloyd Ogilvie. This is idolatry. We cut Christ down to our size squeeze him into the straitjacket of one of our little gods. That way he is safe and always at a distance. And is that not true of our culture? Can't talk about the real Jesus. He is offensive. He's just a good man, big time prophet, great teacher, not the true God. So when Jesus came triumphantly into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey on Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, the people were delirious with praise, singing their loud hosannas, Save us, save us. But when he spoke of his coming death, they began to cool off. The cross did not fit their preconceptions of the Messiah. Finally, they shouted, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. That's John 19, 15. It is the same today. Almost everyone will receive him as the greatest man who ever lived. Just leave it there and everything will be fine. Enlightened circles are comfortable with calling him the supreme psychologist of history. He is safe as the most important person of all time. The safe, sweet Jesus, meek and mild, sentimental, impotent, distant. He is no threat. The world will not do anything for a Christ who is limited by our own perspectives. What it will not do is allow him to put forth his own claims. The world will not receive him as Lord. We all sometimes wear blinders as we now he's talking to us now. Okay. We all sometimes wear our blinders as we read the Bible, seeing what we think supports our preconceived system. In missing those things that do not fit. It is only with God's help that such a serious error can be avoided or changed. The story of Lister also exposes another of our weaknesses. We find it easy to exalt the messenger instead of the message.
1: We want to make men
0: and women, rather than God, our sense of security. So we have our own Christian pantheon, our own Christian idols, we must, with God's help, honestly examine our hearts to see whom we are truly worshiping. Ourselves, our favorite preacher, our writer, our Christian influencer, or do we worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ? So what a temptation this was for Paul and Barnabas, and Satan knew it. It would have been so easy for the apostles to rationalize, ah, oh, we will accommodate these four savages and then pointing to God, this sure beats stoning. <laughs> but it is it is to their eternal credit they did not receive worship by men for even a split second. But now they were in definite trouble. Hell has no rage like a worshiper scorned. If the people cannot fit Paul and Barnabas into their neat little idolatrous preconceptions, they would do away with them. So notice how quickly the crowd changed. So, this is going to be verse 19, All right. Where we at? Y'all help me out here. 10, 20, <clears throat> yeah, verse 19. I'll just read it right out of the book here. Got it. So, but Jews came from Antioch. Always Jews. Always Jews. They walked all the way from Antioch. to Iconium, that's 80 miles. <laughs> Jesus came from Antioch and Iconium to Lystra and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead so we're going to be here just for a minute so kind of we're going to talk about this stoning deal So here this, in this verse, we see God's power even in suffering. So they will see, see what's happening. we got God's power displayed, God's power misunderstood, God's power explained, and now God's power even, even in suffering. We're we looking on time. Ooh, we're getting out of time, maybe. Should we just stop here? Let's just do that. Anybody got any comments, questions, observations, admonitions? Wouldn't you like to know what was going on while the Jews were on their way to, to Antioch? What was going on? In- oh, yeah. I just you're going to walk eighty miles just to go. <laughs> it was I mean, a- no. It was, actually, it's farther. Hundred miles. It's eighty miles from <clears throat> Antioch to Iconium, and then it was another what? My Bible says it was a hundred miles. Why did they even care? This was they must have heard
1: what.
0: It, it was heard? another 18 miles from like, yeah. from. Sure they, got from <clears throat> a call. they got it, yeah. <laughs> from Iconium. <laughs> so yeah, 100 miles. 100 miles from Antioch to Lystra. There was a period of time there an interim. I'm you assuming. Didn't walk miles. Okay, that's also. That's a good. That's a good point. We got <laughs> as we're reading this. Just remember, these these events are not happening. Sequentially, hour by hour, day by day. There are periods of time are passing as all you know. All this time when they're, they're walking, and we're not seeing all that. Okay, just remember that. This is this all. This takes place over many months. All this stuff. Okay. Now I would have to say, this event at the gate of Lystra. Did it happen as soon as they got there? You know, they walk up to the gate, start speaking. Oh, there's there's a land. they may have been there for a long time before they actually healed this man and all this rig of a row with Zeus and Hermes come up, right? So just remember that. Keep that in mind because I fall into that. I'm reading reading along going, oh, this happened and this happened this happened. Okay, there's going to be a lot of time happening between these events we're being told about. But I'm like you. I ain't walking 100 miles (laughs) because... These men are saying something I don't agree with. Now, back in this day, they were a lot more serious about their religion than we are. Let's just be honest about that. Okay, There's a lot of people on the planet today who are a lot more serious about their false religion than we are about our true religion. I'm thinking Muslims. Well, and They're serious about their religion. There is a demonic influence that wants to kill Paul and Mark. Oh no, they right. want to and kill. They to want to get loose. rid of the Jews. I mean, that's yeah. just that's all, that's all the only reason Islam exists is to try to I mean, cut, I mean, cut off the Jews from these are Jews trying to kill Jews. Yeah. But, right. yeah and, well, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about in the modern context. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, you know, we're we're not very into our religion the way some people are. But back in this time, in this time, they're serious about their religion. I mean, you know, they're, they're gonna get up a Crowd of angry people. I mean, just imagine, you know, you got the crowd of angry people. They got their pitchforks and their torches. They take off to the castle where Frankenstein is. Well, imagine they had to walk 100 miles to do that. You
1: know? After about an hour, they're going to go, oh, man,
0: it's supper time. Man, I miss my pillow. My wife's going to be mad at me if I don't get on to the house. And you guys have fun with your ride. Right. I'm going to get, you know. It's an expense. I mean, they would have had to. Why were they so angry? What was hearing about the grace of God? Who was, who was freed because from they were from, talking against the temple. They were freed from the law, and now you're not going to get to control them anymore. You're not going to have the purse strings anymore. And there you go. We can't control. It's not going to go well for us. So let's see what happened at. Then they were jealous. Huge, jealous. Well, that's what happened to Antioch. They saw the huge crowd and they were jealous that they had drawn all these people. And so they stirred up the people of importance. Get, get them out of here. Then they go to Iconium. The people were divided. They go to stone them. Then they go to Lystra. And they actually stoned Paul. Okay, so. Yeah, what happened to Barnum? So all this comes back to our story beginning about this Sergeant Irwin who. Picks up this bomb and walks the length of this plane with it because he knows he's got to complete the mission. All the barbers, they're going to stick to the task regardless of what comes, regardless of the barriers put in their way. They stick to the task, stick to the mission, wade through the mud, through the muck, through the mire. Right? That's kind of the picture I'm it's trying to get across. the Jews were, uh, doing the same thing. Walking 100 miles to make sure it happens. <laughs> They're serious about it, would not they? It was 133 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. Yeah. Well, that, so. yeah. well they walked everywhere they went in those days. So We've got to remember that, too. You know, that's what we see. Let's see, 100 miles. They could probably do that in, what, three days? I couldn't imagine keeping that kind of fervor up for three days. <laughs> that was 10 miles a day. Yeah, I think 10 miles would probably be. Oh, no, man. I am going to walk 10 miles right now think they're going a lot farther than that. I've walked 25 miles of a stretch before. With a backpack, with a, with a rucksack on my back. With, cow- with combat boots on my back. No, barefoot. With a cowboy boot, with a combat boots and a rucksack with about 40, 50 pounds in it. I barely made it, but I did it. Anyway, I don't know how long it would take them to get there. That's a long time to keep that, you know, ah, we got to go get them. About on day three, it'd be like, hey, that's not what happened. They absolutely made the walk and said, We got to put a stop to this. think Satan might have been behind that a little, a little bit. No, maybe, maybe the church. church. <laughs> <laughs> the the church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think Satan needed to be involved. Hey, we get very angry when, when we don't get what we want sometimes. <clears throat> no, we don't. But I don't see. People are just three, four, five days, you know. Keep that, keep that zealous fervor up for that long. It's, I, I don't know that many, at least not modern, modern people would never. We would Barnabas never do you. that. Never, not, not not in this day and age. We we can't even be bothered to get up and turn the channel on our TV. We have to have a remote for doing that. You know, we just we can't be bothered anymore to do. We don't care enough about stuff to do something like that. What about Paul and Barnabas whenever they saw those same people that they had ran from before. You know, that yeah. showed up oh well man they came this far. Oh soon. man. They followed <laughs> us. I better shut up. No, they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. Crazy. But we'll come back next week. We'll we'll talk about the stoning event. Um, you know, there's a little bit there. We going to we're gonna go over was he did was Paul dead? Was he not dead? There's two different views here. Some commentators say they killed Paul. Some say, no, not so much. And we'll, we'll move on from there I might have enough to... Yeah. Alright, and then after that We get to the Jerusalem Council That's going to be fun Talking about grace Do we have to be circumcised? Or is grace enough? So anyway, let's pray uh, David, do you pray? Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us To, to gather today To study your word to, to break it down Craig to to lead the class and thank you for for supplying him the information uh, to break this down, and explain it to us um, in greater detail. Uh, again, we want to pray for Shane and for Corey. Um, you know what's going on with them, and we pray that your will be done with them, that they will be they'll be healed um, completely, and uh, pray that Brother Kevin what he has studied for the week and be able to preach it to us in a way that is uh, bring glory to you and uh, please be with us as we go out into the world today or this week um, that we will be a light unto the world and uh, bring people to your glory and it's in your heavenly name we pray in Jesus amen, amen.